listening to An Inside Look with North America's Top 50 Site Consultants. How do I land a big deal in my community? What are location consultants really looking for? Join us as we pull back the curtain and look inside the secrets of site selection with your hosts, Tim Tarantine and Amanda Harrison. Welcome to An Inside Look, North America's Top 50 Site Consultants. So glad to be here in the studio with Amanda Harrison. I'm Tim Tarantine. And we're here to talk about stories of those who are making a difference in the industry of site selection, who are doing big deals and changing the game. Amanda, you had a great conversation. Tell us all about it. I am really excited for you guys to hear this interview that I did with Seth Martindale. He is a managing director with the Economic Incentives Group within CBRE. So he has lots of experience in this field. During the interview, he gives really good practical advice. It is really specific, really clear, and I think you'll take a lot away from it. Seth has had some really impressive clientele from Bank of America, Kawasaki, Microsoft, Pepsi, Visa, Walt Disney, you name it. So he's got a broad range of experience with some really impressive clients, and I think you're going to enjoy his insights. So take a listen. Hi, Seth. Thank you so much for joining us today on An Inside Look, North America's Top 50 Site Consultants. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Let's get started with this question. So what are three things that everyone who's listening today should know about you? Sure, that's a tough one. You know, there's always the, do you go the funny route or do you go the serious route? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and go the funny route. Um, one, the most important thing to me lately is I have a one-year-old daughter, which has been taking up a lot of my time. So that's obviously awesome. But the travel makes that a little tough, as you can imagine. That's number one. Number two, I love action movies. So, you know, that's one of my favorite things to do when I'm decompressing is just watch some sort of action movie. And then number three, I think people will tell you I work really crazy, weird hours. So, you know, you'll get emails from me at three o'clock in the morning just because I don't work a normal schedule. So that's the way I tend to work. Good. Yeah, you're right. Those were good things to get started and just get a little bit of a context for who you are and what you do and how you work. So let's start with your career in site selection. How did you first get involved in this industry? Sure. So when I came out of grad school, I actually started working for Ernst & Young and, you know, it was called Real Estate Advisory Services back then. And, you know, they had components of site selection in there, which I got really interested in. And I kind of learned a little bit about how it all works, but not until I came over to CBRE did I really start to understand how does the entire site selection process work? You know, how do you compare markets against each other? And when I got to CBRE, there was sort of a makeshift model we used. And as I got more involved, I got involved in making that model more complex. And I'm obviously biased, but a little bit better. And, you know, I think ever since we've been developing that model and I've been working in that piece, I've just, by way of being near it, that I got involved. And, you know, now I am where I am. It's pretty much all I do every day. So with the experience that you have in site selection, do you have an inside secret that you use when you're assessing a project that you could share with us today? You know, I wish I said, I wish I had like the secret sauce that I could tell all the economic development agencies that if you do this, you're for sure going to get a project. You know, I will say that everything we do sort of at first is really data driven. So it's really out of our hands. It's just what the data says. There are kind of two places where I think that, you know, really our opinion counts for a lot. And maybe this is too much detail or more detail than you wanted. But if you've got a list of six to eight cities that are really your short list and you've got to narrow that down to four, the question that I get all the time is, well, which city should we knock out and why? And, you know, the clients really lean on us to say, which one should we take out or which one should we add back in? And those two or three cities that happen to be on the cusp of being into the short list or out of the short list, I think we add a lot of value or at least, you know, we have a lot of sway in terms of which ones get in and get out. So, 
you know, what I'm getting at is a lot of site selection people, they don't like it when cities and states call on them and try to tell them what's going on. But me personally, I love it. You know, our clients expect us to be experts on everywhere, which really isn't easy. So, I mean, the more that you can get information about what's going on in your city and why you might be a good city for a particular industry, the better it is for us to make those recommendations. So how you do that is a whole other question in itself. But, you know, I really think that the more we can learn about you and know specifically what you might be good for, when I say you, I mean the cities, you know, that's really helpful to us. Yeah, no, I think that's a good inside secret in the sense of how do you stay in front of site selectors like yourself so that you can make the shortlist when you're presented with a project? So I know you said that how you do that is a whole nother question, but I am going to ask you that. Is there a certain type of marketing strategy that proves to be really successful for you specifically? So is it email? Is it a phone call? Is it, you know, a nice mailed piece? What works for you? You know, it's tough because I'll admit, you know, we get a lot of email. I counted a couple of times. It's somewhere in the range of like 30 to 50 emails a day from different states and cities across the country and across the world. So if you're sending an email, it's got to be something that really stands out. Nothing against like Alabama, but I'll get something like North Alabama wind, you know, times or something like that. And with the amount of stuff we get, it's just hard to read all of it. I'll be honest with you, we don't. So I tend to find, and I don't want to sound like a dinosaur here, but, you know, every once in a while, these cities or states will, you know, actually snail mail me stuff that are really like flashcards. They'll say, Mm -hmm. hey, just so you know, these four things happened in our state in the last quarter. And it's like, you know, this project came here, this many jobs, this capital expenditure, and it literally takes me 20 seconds. But in that 20 seconds, I mean, I'm up to date on what's going on, and those things are going to, you know, stick in my brain. So things like that are really helpful. The other thing I'd say is, when it's difficult for us to find information about what's going on in your state or your city, it's a real pain for us. You know, we know who to talk to, but if we have to make that extra phone call or make that extra email and kind of track down the stuff, it it makes it a little bit more difficult. So the degree you can, you know, the more information that's publicly available on your websites or whatnot, that really helps us save time. And, you know, it saves economic development people time too, because it's already out there. Yeah, absolutely. That's all really good practical takeaway advice. I love the idea, like you said, about sending something in the mail. That's like the top few deals that have happened recently and where we're at closing out 2015. That'd be an awesome time to send the top five deals that happened in your community, your region this year. So that's a great practical piece of advice that I think our listeners today could actually do something with right away. I want to ask you, Seth, what are some of the key issues that keep bubbling up with your clients and your companies that you're working with today? And what advice do you have for economic developers to help mitigate those issues? Sure. So, you know, a lot of times, as you can imagine, it's the big buckets, right? You know, labor cost, labor depth, companies having trouble hiring, or they don't want to compete for talent. You know, I will say a couple of things that have just been interesting that have bubbled up lately that might be worth mentioning are air accessibility. You know, I've seen that become, you know, it used to be maybe like eight or nine on the list, and now it's kind of creeping up to three or four on the list, which, you know, I think as the airlines consolidate a little bit, access to different airports across the country becomes more difficult. So that's becoming an issue. But as companies become more spread out and don't have like one headquarters where everybody's in one place, it also becomes more important. So you know, keep that in mind. I mean, I know it's not easy to change airport travel routes and all that, but, you know, that's definitely something that's come up. You know, the other thing, too, that might be worth mentioning is I don't see a whole lot of, like, relocations where a company's literally just picking up and moving. But what we do see a lot, and especially me being in California, I see this a bunch, is, you know, companies have started in San Francisco or L.A. or Seattle or whatnot, and they've just realized, hey, you know, we've grown a lot, but it doesn't make sense to grow here anymore. We're still going to leave our base in the city 
well, we're going to grow somewhere else. You know, we're going to put our flag in wherever Austin, Charlotte, Nashville, you pick the city. And, you know, what happens is they put 200 people on the ground and they're like, hey, there's good talent here. And it goes from 200 to 400, 400, 600, and so on and so forth. So that's definitely things we've been seeing a lot of. I mean, to that end, you know, how to keep that in the forefront, right, and how to take advantage of that. It's difficult. I mean, I think the best thing the city can do is they can just make sure that the benefits of the city, whatever they may be, you know, hopefully they're the issues that I was just referencing, but, you know, make sure that we know them. And, you know, again, that gets back to the whole, you know, how do you effectively market and how do you get in front of people like me? I think that's important that at least you try to, you know, have a phone call or have an in-person conversation with economic developers and let them know what's going on, that, you know, you know what the most important factors are and you're conveying to your clients, here's what we're doing to kind of mitigate that and, you know, go along those lines. Definitely. Okay, before we close, I want to get a couple of questions to you about you as a leader. Uh, let's start with this. How do you personally define success? I mean, me for everything, success is, you know, how happy is the client? I mean, a lot of people will say lowest cost and all that. And I don't really believe that. I mean, when we look at things, you, you tend to look at, all right, which city is operationally best for the company and which city is the cheapest for the company. And I don't think I've ever seen it where those two things are the same. You know, it's always something in the middle. And having to be able to balance those two factors with the group, with you and your client, I mean, I think that's the key to success. So at the end of the day, you know, if the client says, yeah, we're paying a little bit more money, but we really love being there and we're a partner with the city and we're a great employer and our people are happy, I define that as a success. And maybe that's too pie in the sky, but that's just how I look at it. No, that's excellent. How about a leadership lesson? Do you have maybe a lesson in leadership that you've learned at some point in your career that you have kept with you and that you would hope to pass on to others? Um, well, I mean, keeping it in the uh, whole site selection realm, what I've seen happen a couple times actually in the last couple of years, it's an interesting story, is that I've seen cities that are like nowhere near close being chosen for the finalist site, but they've done such a good job with the client interaction, with giving us what they need and you know, putting in an effective incentive offer together and all that that they really had no chance and they ended up winning the project. So, you know, I think the best thing, the way to think about it, especially for economic developers, is just you're never out of the game. If you've got an at-bat, you know, you've got a chance to win. And, you know, however bad it may look, there's still opportunity there. So I just would say, you know, don't give up. There's always opportunity there. You never know what might happen on a project, and it definitely is possible to sway decision makers, you know, what they're going to do. Excellent. Okay, this is the last question, Seth, and then we'll get you out of here. On this one, if you could tell a room full of economic developers just one thing, and hopefully one thing different than that great lesson you just shared, but if you could tell economic developers just one thing that would help, you know, this whole process go smoother for all sides of the equation, what would that be? So, I mean, I would say this, that if you're actually on the ground meeting with somebody with a site selection consultant and a client I mean, everything that happens at that point, and I know this is nothing new to people, but everything that happens is really being taken into account into the decision. So, you know, I've seen economic development agencies been very, very prepared. They know who the clients are when they're coming. They know all about them. They know all about the company. They're very well, you know, informed. And I'll tell you, all that stuff goes over very, very well from the client side. You know, the more prepared you are, the more you know, the more it seems like you actually want this project. You can't quantify that, but it definitely has value. And, you know, when we go away from the site visits, you know, it's definitely an impact because the client will say, I feel like we would be taken care of better in one city versus the next. So I can't stress enough how important that small sort of touchy-feely stuff is, but it really does make a difference and it really does impact decisions. So 
For what it's worth, I would take that into account knowing that you've got a client coming into town. Excellent. Seth, thank you so much for your time today. We've really enjoyed listening to your expertise and your take on this site selection industry. And once again, just congratulations on being named one of North America's top 50 site consultants. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to North America's Top 50, produced by Consultant Connect, where we're working to bridge the gap between leading economic developers and location consultants. To learn more about what we do and how to get involved, please visit consultantconnect.com or tweet me at Ron Kitchens.